Hey everyone, welcome to episode 96 of the Switch Focus podcast. I'm your host Andy Corrigan, uh, with me this week is Andrew Brown. Hello! Uh, no Ginny again, uh, I expected her to be missing for an, another couple of weeks, uh, but we'll keep you posted on, on when she'll be due back. Uh, and we've got a decent show for you hopefully, we're going to talk about uh, Bloodstained Ritual of the Night and its recent updates. We're going to talk some more about Dragon Quest Eleven. Yes, uh, there's some news for Smash, and we're going to chat about Luigi's Mansion, which for some reason Nintendo decided not to release on or before Halloween and the day after. Uh, so that's right. our time to talk about it. They released it on Halloween in the US. Ah, 1st of November everywhere else. Well, because the US is stupidly the last place on Earth in time zones, <laughs> it's true. that would actually be concurrent release. <laughs> so good job, Nintendo. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so we'll get into that because uh, we didn't in our hopefully fun Halloween special last last week. Time zones are dumb. They are. It's true. Although we're both. I'm at mid afternoon. You're you're at nighttime. It's over there. I think ten thirty at night here, which is an improvement over how it usually is because daylight saving times just kicked in. <laughs> <laughs> Boo! Daylight saving time. Uh, okay, well, let's get into it with uh, updates from the previous episodes. Okay, so first up, as I alluded to in the intro, Bloodstained Ritual of the Night has finally had its, uh, or at least one of its performance patches, uh, promising improvements to gameplay, to loading times, and to visuals, uh, and I uh, I had promised I would boot it up, and I have. Uh, so everything they've promised in the... The patch notes is true. Certainly, I've had no crashing. I've been I've played about four hours of it this week on my Switch Lite here and there, and it's not crashed on me once. Whereas I had like uh, three crashes uh, on release day, where I I lost a good chunk of progress each time because I just hadn't found that next safe room. Uh, and so yeah, let me tell you that alone makes it a million times more enjoyable. <laughs> Visuals. Uh, instantly noticed that there was less artifacting on character models, particularly when they're talking with each other, uh, where they they get the zoomed in model and uh, yeah, it flips back and forth. Nothing uh, bad there anymore. Uh, jumping and everything feels a lot more responsive. Uh, although the game does sort of have its own little way in terms of its game feel, which is is something I wasn't wholly sold on before. It's improved a little. I'm still not completely sold on how it handles. Uh, and just before Andrew tells me off for that, uh, for not being a, a Castlevania fan growing up, um, I think it's an element of that crossed with that I've just played games that I think are, you know, that in this manner that handle a lot better. You're a disgrace to our gaming generation. Maybe that'll uh, change when I get in, but I was spoilt by the likes of Hollow Knight and uh, Ori in the Blind Forest. So, yeah. Uh, so, basically, because I, I dumped it because of all the issues... Uh, I am a little worried that it's too little too late because there's a million other things to play at the time and I I think I I took a step up by going to Ori and there were other games that I haven't got to that didn't take months to to get good uh, that deserve my time too but I'm going to stick with it for now and I'll I'll see how it it takes. Um, I'm still like, because of how early I dumped it last time, I'm still only like six or seven hours in all up and I I don't... feel like I'm like anything's improving a lot um that said a lot of the mechanics still feel like my sort of thing so I'm just waiting for that that wow moment um I think I nearly had it because a, a giant cat with horns attacked me um and uh cats are always a good way to to get me interested so yeah I'd like to say I'll stick with it 
but uh, we'll see how that goes. Okay, uh, Dragon Quest Eleven S Echoes of an Elusive Age Definitive Edition, uh, henceforth just called Dragon Quest Eleven. Uh, Andrew, <laughs> I think you've beaten it now, have you? I have beaten Dragon Quest Eleven S Echoes of an Elusive Age Definitive Edition, and while no. we were talking about this game, <laughs> Dragon Quest Eleven S Echoes of an Elusive Age Definitive Edition, I would just like to say... You know, I, I tend to gloss over things that I enjoy and go in depth on things I don't really enjoy, so let me just preface by saying I really enjoyed Dragon Quest XI S Echoes of an Elusive Age Definitive Edition. I'm done now. <laughs> I'm done now. <laughs> and I better have enjoyed it if I spent 115 hours on it, which I seriously did. <laughs> and uh, surprisingly, when I play, especially a game like an RPG, usually when I get to the end of it, even if it's an RPG that I really like... I'm just ready for it to be over, and I'm just gritting my teeth through that final dungeon. And I didn't have that experience in Dragon Quest XI, actually. Um, I, I think that might be because I was only playing it on weekends rather than just playing it as the only game I was playing. Or it just might be a really good Dragon Quest game. I don't know. All I know is I was happy the game was over so I could move on to, you know, one of the other colossal mountainous games i have to play now um but i w i also would not have minded if it if it had kept going because i am i'm still on board to play more dragon quest 11 but i don't have much left really uh, it, it 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 is an utter delight from from start to finish from my my perspective um mm -hmm. but you you did the post game stuff right well i'm going to talk about that cool because uh, i have i have feelings about the post game as we talked about a few episodes back uh like once i turned on the classic camera and I, I quit trying to, you know, engage with this new free movement system they've added in combat that just adds absolutely nothing to the game. I, I really don't know why it's there. <laughs> this this just turned into just a Dragon Quest game, and I love Dragon Quest games. And I think that might have been a big reason of why I liked it, because it's still Dragon Quest, even after all these decades of development history. There are some variations from title to title, but basically strategies that worked in Dragon Quest 3 will still work in Dragon Quest 11. as like a general example. Your magic users are great for taking out large groups of enemies, but when you go up against single strong enemies, you know, for example, bosses, your single tar target characters are where you really excel. And at the start of the game, I was really mostly sticking with the original four party members because there was really no reason to use anybody else. Your first four party members you get is a really well-balanced team. But later events do force you to use other characters, uh, which I appreciated. As it gave me a chance to appreciate their unique niches. And when I got to the final boss, I was using a completely different team setup. And I also love the collecting the costume equipment. That's a, that's a, a fairly recent addition to Dragon Quest, but a lot of the armor you find will actually change your character's appearance. And I was having a lot of fun just gathering up these costume pieces, even if it was for armor that I wasn't actually going to use, just so I would have these alternate appearances, especially for the Luminary, because I, I did I kind of hated the Luminary's default appearance. <laughs> it's really bland, and he's got this, like, long hair that looks like it's a haircut his mom gave him which it probably is based on the plot of this game yeah. <laughs> but uh when you visit the luminary's home kingdom midway through the game you can unlock a suit of armor that's based on the armor that the knights in his kingdom used to wear that was what i had him wear for the entire rest of the game because it looked cool and it would just felt thematically right for the luminary the last survivor of this kingdom to be 
you know, decked out in his kingdom's ancestral armor. And there's also the mini metal collections. That was great fun, too. Uh, there's a system where you collect these items called mini metals, and the more of them you have, the more rewards you can get from this weird old guy who runs a boarding school. And it's a whole thing, but it it's, gives you great... <laughs> incentive to really explore all the areas i still have more mini metals to find uh, although i'm pretty close to getting to the end of that side quest but now i get into my criticisms uh first and this is maybe not a criticism for some people but this is how i, I felt this is a really really easy game i was always over leveled for every region i got to there's a mechanic in the game where when you're wandering through the overworld or through dungeons uh, enemies actually appear on screen and you have to touch them before the battle will start. And there's a mechanic where if you are overleveled, then they will run away from you. Except for like the first hour of the game where I was still up against, you know, the local monsters around the starting area. Past that point all the way to the very, very end of the game. And I mean, I'm talking the final end game dungeon. Enemies were running away from me. <laughs> And I hit the level cap without grinding and before the end of the game. I've never done this in any RPG, let alone a Dragon Quest RPG. Uh, that's interesting, because uh, I didn't hit the level cap on the PS4 version at all. And I did some grinding, so I wonder if they've made some tweaks there. It could be. I, I, I wondered version. if they made the leveling easier in the Switch version. But like, I do not grind, I do not run in circles mindlessly fighting monsters the only time i fight monsters is when i'm going somewhere and doing something and i hit i hit the level cap <laughs> uh, and i and i do grind i do running circles and i do fight things uh and uh yeah i just a quick sidebar nino kuni has that same mechanic where if you're over leveled in a in an area the enemies will flee certainly if you're stronger than than that particular enemy mm -hmm. anyway and yeah I, I do agree i did find this like an easier jrpg but i i kind of enjoyed it for that like i i feel like that was the aim yeah it never felt like a, a negative because it was just so enjoyable I, i'm not saying like the dragon quest series as a whole is a reputation for being hard but it certainly doesn't have a reputation for being easy so i, I was just surprised that this game was such a pushover. <laughs> yeah, um, and like um, I on the PS4, I actually started, you know, with my intention of trying to overgrind as soon as I got a new character, and then like there was just a point where I was like, I don't need to do this at mm -hmm. all. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I just went through like just fighting every enemy that I came across as I was on my way to somewhere. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, I I never hit a point where I felt like I was underpowered. Uh, maybe once towards the end when I was just sort of rushing, trying to rush through to get to the ending. But, yeah. Uh, In the Switch version, there is some new things called the Draconic Challenges, which are these modifiers you can activate at the beginning of the game that make the game a bit harder, including, you know, beefing up the enemies so that way they're a bit tougher. Were I able to go back and start the game over, I'm not going to do that because I don't have 115 hours to spare again. But were I to do that, I would turn on the tougher enemies because this game did not, challenge me at all except for one two or three optional end game challenges which are meant to push the player nothing in this game challenged me not even the final boss uh, but speaking of the final boss the ending design in this game is really really weird and unnecessarily complicated and if you follow me on twitter you probably saw me a few weekends back complaining about it at length uh, but it does eventually lead to an interesting and engrossing endgame scenario if you do put in the work and how it works is uh, i'm not going to go into it, it's kind of hard to talk about because 
to talk about it at all. You do have to spoil somewhat how it works, but I'm going to try to describe it mechanically, but not describe how it all ties into the plot to the best of my ability. But anyway, how it works is there's a first ending to the game that you beat the boss and you get your end credits. It just, it felt like a total cop out to me. There were obvious plot threads that were unresolved. I refused to accept that this was the ending and I just jumped right back in uh, and kept playing because after you beat the credits, you, you make a new save file. It puts a star on it that's meant to mean that you've beaten the game and you're in the air quotes post game now and how the post game works is after you load up your file you can do a couple things and then you'll go back to the end of the second act of the game what is a second act uh usually at the end of a second act in a three-act story arc that's where the party is at its darkest moment like the the easiest example it's the classic example is Empire Strikes Back at the end of that movie. Uh, Luke has found out that Darth Vader is his father. He's had his hand cut off and Han Solo has been captured by Boba Fett and is being taken to Jabba the Hutt. And that leads into uh, episode six of Star Wars Return of the Jedi. You know, that's the classic example of the darkest moment. And Dragon Quest XI has a very clear, you know, act two ending and... When you start the post game, as as it's been referred to by a lot of people, it goes back to that darkest moment for the party, and you get a chance to do it differently. I had very strong feelings about this because I felt it, it really cheapened that third act when I was just able to just go back and just do it different. I was like, why did I do this in the first place? I really felt like those 30 hours were just a complete waste of my time. And you'd go back with a supercharged luminary, but the rest of your party is back where they were at that point in the game. So like my luminary was level 75 and the rest of my party were all in the mid 40s. <laughs> but I, I toughed it out. I, I was grumbling about it the whole time, but I toughed it out. And after a few hours, your party gets kicked back up to where they were. <laughs> and this is where I turned around on it because it no longer felt like the previous 30 hours were a complete waste of my time. And I was able to just go back and explore this world again uh, in this different and nominally better version of the third act. Uh, things that I had wrapped up plot-wise before in, in the first ending, I now had to wrap up all over again, which I wasn't real thrilled about, but it goes much quicker. There are fewer cutscenes, and there's much less talking, and it also gets you much better skills and equipment for your characters. Basically what it does is it almost makes the end game of the game identical to Chrono Trigger, where in Chrono Trigger, when you're at the end point of the game, you can go and fight the boss anytime you want. But if you take the time to go around and revisit all the areas and talk to all the people again, you can do new side quests against new like bonus bosses and get like the best equipment in the game for your characters. It's almost the exact same thing in Dragon Quest XI. And I, once my party was restored to their power and I no longer felt like I had spent 30 hours building them up into the level 70s and then in the 80s and 90s, uh, and all that time was wasted, I, I really enjoyed this new endgame that it thrusts you into. It really needs a note explaining what is going to happen when you start up that post-game file, because as it is, it felt like I was voluntarily cutting my party off at the knees for no discernible benefit. I could have saved myself three or four hours of annoyance by just not having to deal with that uncertainty about what the heck is going on, but it does lead into one of my broader complaints about Dragon Quest XI is it recycles areas a lot. You have to revisit areas you've already revisited just 
in the first third act of the game, but then when you replay the third act, you get to revisit those areas again. <laughs> and they're the same dungeons with the same enemies. It's not very interesting. And really, I, on a lot of them, I just ran through the dungeons avoiding enemies because there was no point in doing all this stuff again for the third time <laughs> and then you get to the very 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 end of the game where there's a labyrinth and instead of you know like a, a designed labyrinth dungeon uh the labyrinth is those dungeons again <laughs> uh, this game world you know by the standards of like modern jrpgs already it, it isn't that big really so i i'm kind of baffled why there's so little unique world and level design because like, there's like a dozen dungeons in this game maybe and it just reuses them over and over and over again it was very i don't know what word i want to use here i don't want to say it was tedious because it wasn't tedious i enjoyed my entire time playing this game but it was disappointing you know not seeing something new and being able to experience something new as i was approaching hour 100 in this game and all of this culminates in a boss and an ending that feels much more like the ending to a Dragon Quest game. And yes, after you beat that boss, there's still more post-game left. There's more to do if you want to power up your characters even more and go take them on. Because it's not the post-game, this is the end game. As far as I'm concerned, you haven't beaten Dragon Quest XI until you've beaten the real bad guy after the first credit roll. And Andy, I know that you probably have something to say about that. Yeah, uh, I was quite satisfied with the first ending. And uh, similar to you, I, I stuck with it a little bit, and I jumped in, and I was horrified at the the difference in my party when I when I did the thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and I also felt that it cheapened part of the story elements. Yeah, like your the aim for why you're doing it just sort of made something that happened earlier feel really cheap and pointless when it was meant to make an impact. So I kind of didn't want to be complicit in undoing the thing that i thought was super important <laughs> yeah i think the first ending tells a better story but if you do go for the second ending it's, it's a much more rewarding game it, it was that sort of thing where i was like i've just played 100 hours of it so i'm i'm a ready for it to be over mm -hmm. and b i had those story concerns and it was like i'll cut i'll try and come back to it later and i'm Maybe I'll do that with the Switch version when I get there. But yeah, that, that was the only reason I didn't jump back in. And that whole, like, oh no, I've lost a lot of character progress. I don't want to do this. And it was never, like you say, it was never explained that that, that would sort of rectify itself later. Yeah, it, it takes a couple hours to get there. And like, nothing tells you what's going to happen. But your characters just, you, you just reach this point. You talk to this this NPC and just randomly all your characters are right back where they were. It's like... <laughs> Okay, this is the weirdest thing I've ever seen in an RPG. This is such a Square Enix way of doing things, but whatever. Anyway, uh, there is a lot of new Switch content, which I was able to work out what that is. Uh, there's the character episodes, which all take place like right at the beginning of the first time you play through Act 3. And these were just total roadblocks. They drag the game's pace to a halt just after it's gotten to its most exciting event. I mean, this is literally the first time you meet the bad guy and he does his thing. And then you cut away to these individual character episodes that explain what happened to these characters after that, you know, act two ending moment. And it's answers to questions nobody was asking. <laughs> it's all fairly <laughs> apparent how everybody ended up in the situation they were in. It all, this is just part of the first ending, so it all gets erased anyway. It 
just felt like padding and it just added another five hours onto that 30 hours in act three that I felt were a waste of time. <laughs> and there's also Tickington, which is the new like flashback episode area you can go to. And how that works is dotted throughout Airdria, there are these new little ghost NPCs called Tuckles. And when you talk to them, they give you passwords uh, where you can then go to the Tickington area, which you unlock fairly shortly into the game, about eight hours into the game, I think I got there. And you can enter these magic books using the passwords that will take you to just little scenarios based on past Dragon Quest games. I was really excited to do this because it's a great chance to you to really look back on the past of history of the Dragon Quest games and look at you know some games that weren't big successes in the West. I think the entire Dragon Quest series has been released in the West in some capacity. You can get it if you want to. They just weren't big successes. So I, I was, you know, curious to look back at Dragon Quest Two and Dragon Quest Five and some of those other ones that I have not been able to play. But there's only a handful of real, like, dungeons that you actually go into. Most of the areas that you visit with passwords are just tiny towns or buildings. Sometimes they're a single room that has a simple fetch quest in them that takes less than five minutes. Like, you, you talk to an NPC, they tell you that they need this item. They give you a hint on where the item can be found. You go and grab it, you bring it back to them. That is the extent of this flashback quest homaging a classic Dragon Quest game. I was really disappointed with it. A few of the new locations you unlock with passwords are the same location you visited before in that book, but set later in the day. Uh, some of the quests send you back into the classic dungeons that you already explored for a different quest. Again, against <laughs> the exact same monsters. Remember what I said earlier about recycling areas? And with one or two notable exceptions, rewards are stuff you get in the main game, but a few hours earlier. So really, Tickington, you know, except for those one or two items that you can only get there. Unless you're like a super huge Dragon Quest fan, I don't think Tickington is going to feel all that rewarding to you. It feels like it could have been so much more than what it is is so much less than what was advertised to us. So Dragon Quest XI overall, it certainly hasn't dethroned Dragon Quest VIII. That's still my favorite JRPG of all time, and, you know, thus my favorite Dragon Quest game. The lack of difficulty, as I said, is not necessarily a complaint. It may actually be a perk for some people. Uh, post and endgame content is enjoyable, but there's confusing barriers leading into it and could explain itself much better. The Switch exclusive content is shallow and mostly filler, and my biggest complaint is too much recycling of areas with no changes to make revisiting them interesting. The path that you'll take through the crypt area that has floors that crumble beneath you and you fall down into a lower area, so you have to find the correct floors that won't crumble beneath you all like five times that you revisit this dungeon the exact same path it is so <laughs> lazy uh, these do these problems do little to impact the solid dragon quest base of the game it's still one of the best jrpgs i've played in recent years if you're a dragon quest fan you can't miss it and if it, you're a jrpg fan i do think you'll enjoy this i do recommend this game nice just before we move on uh i did finish uh, fire emblem three houses finally finally uh which I categorically would not have done without a Switch Lite. <laughs> Just putting that out of there. Um, and I enjoyed it overall. Uh, the story didn't go the way I was expecting in some ways and uh, really invested me at certain points, particularly with the events surrounding the uh, big time skip. Um, 
it left me wanting revenge and then when I got the revenge it was empty and hollow which was the game's intent I think uh, so it, it was doing some things right in the story uh, that said with the the credits rolling I've, I've got no inclination to jump back in like many other people have to, to replay as a different house because I, I feel I understood the story <laughs> just fine it, it, that's a, a thing for another time I just I want to play other things I, I've spent probably 60 hours playing it like you were saying where even if you're enjoying a jrpg you sort of get that thing at the end where it's like just end <laughs> so i can move on i i did get that a little bit with the last couple of missions my main criticism is i wish there was more battle objectives than just route the enemy uh it was just routinely that it was either route the enemy or kill the commander uh i feel like the older games had more surprises where your objectives would shift during a battle and this was just pretty by the numbers it, it they do surprise you here and there but it's not it like your objective remains the same regardless uh, and much of the variety came in the side quests and even then not not a lot yeah that was that was my my only disappointment but uh, i did enjoy it overall it doesn't quite beat awakening as my favorite fire emblem game <laughs> Okay, Switch news. Not much uh, this week, but Terry Bogo did go live in Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. Uh, I haven't played it since I finished World of Light. Uh, have you booted it up since? As I've done with every release of a new character, I booted it up to play through classic mode with the new character. I beat it with Terry Bogard with a 9.4, and I have now I'm now done with it until the next character comes out. <laughs> <laughs> Release new World of Light content. Nice. Um, and this release, even though everyone knew who the character was going to be, has brought up uh, people being annoyed that uh, May Sharuni, also from SNK Fighters, um, famous for her... Um... She makes Bayonetta look tasteful. Yeah, that. Um, who is, you know, she's a, a, a beloved character, but half of the people who are complaining about her not being in don't know who she is, honestly. You're not fooling anybody. You guys had no idea who May Shiranui was until this Tuesday. so. <laughs> uh, and apparently not included because they want to keep it as a PG-friendly game. Uh, I'm pretty sure that was said tongue-in-cheek considering Bayonetta is in there. But <laughs> Mixed messaging. Uh, I guess depending upon where you were, you got different explanations. People in the West, especially in English-speaking countries, they got uh, Smash Bros. is for good boys and girls, which is a really terrible thing to tell people when you're justifying why a character is not in the game just give us the real reason and i guess mm -hmm. in the original japanese he did he just explained what it's like getting a character like this through international rating boards and they just didn't want to deal with it mm -hmm. so they didn't try yeah uh but yeah terry's there um we're due to find out who the last character is anytime i guess i i would expect to direct soon i feel like there was one between now and christmas last year i think so <laughs> so uh we'll, we'll look forward to that okay uh that's it for, for uh, switch news and smash news uh let us go on to what we've been playing this week and it's just the one game it's uh luigi's mansion 3 uh now just to give you a bit of background i have not played any of the Luigi's Mansion series. I own it on GameCube. I recently pick, picked that up uh, from a secondhand store. Um, I didn't really want to get Luigi's Mansion 3 uh, based 
on the fact that I hadn't played the previous two. I didn't play two because I hadn't played one and, and so forth. And uh, in the end, I just bit the bullet and bought it and started it because, you know, it's a Nintendo game. There, there's It's not deep enough to have this underlying plot um, as much as it pains my OCD to do so. And uh, yeah, just in short, I'm really glad I just decided to go for it and play it because this is been one of my first party highlights this year mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um for starters this game is utterly utterly beautiful uh wonderful textures great particle effects it's got a great sense of atmosphere uh, all backed up by uh nintendo's charming design work um and i was surprised to see that it had so many like moving parts and uh, like items that reacted to its physics engine and, and with no performance dips. Uh, certainly not nothing similar to what we saw in Link's Awakening earlier this year, which wasn't that bad, so shut up about it. I, like, m- <laughs> the first couple of hours I spent in this game, I was just like, this is like Resident Evil, but with Luigi. That was my initial impression. Once the game gets into its structure, it's certainly less like a Resident Evil game. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> It, it 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 starts off like it feels like it's gonna be a lot freer and you're gonna be doing more exploration and then it sort of gets into its real rhythm which is you're going up a building floor by floor uh it's a hotel not a mansion i don't know why they didn't change the name for that i guess brand recognition because mario hotel is a game best left forgotten <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what happens is uh, the the Mario brothers and friends get invited to a hotel for a holiday. It's a trap for Luigi though, because the nefarious hotel owner has released King Boo from the previous games, who is now out for revenge. So uh, everyone gets kidnapped. Luigi manages to to sneak away, uh, and eventually he encounters his old friend Doctor or Professor Egad. <laughs> Uh, I'm probably enjoying puns in this one that were done, you know, in the previous two games. We got over this in 2001, Andy. Yeah, cool. (laughs) Uh, And he gets, uh, Luigi gets given uh, the vac from the previous games, which gives you a bunch of uh, abilities that you can use to catch ghosts and solve puzzles and things like that. So the the vac has uh, its obvious suck mechanic. Uh, You can also blow air out. And you can uh, slam ghosts around once you've got them trapped. You can uh, blind things and, and trigger off uh, mechanical devices with this uh, flashbulb. Uh, and uh, none of that sounds safe for work, which is <laughs> which is fun. Uh, the usual rhythm involves you going onto a floor, you figure out what its its theme is. Each one has a different theme, so there's like a, a museum theme for some reason in this hotel. There's a, a film studio and... A garden area it just, it just doesn't make sense in the the, the terms of a hotel uh, and you go around and you sort of you fight the ghosts that appear but there's there's a it's mostly puzzle solving really uh, when you do encounter a ghost the rhythm is you'll you'll blind them with the bulb to, to sort of make them physical then you can s- <laughs> trap them in the vacuum uh, and then capture them so they'll they'll have a health bar which will decrease the whole time that you've got hold of them and then you can speed up that process by hitting them around the room with the slam attacks now there uh it took me a little while to get used to the controls uh, <laughs> because the tilt controls are kind of mandatory uh it says here that you had switched around the control schemes to see if there was any better options well there's two there's one that 
moves all your aiming onto the right stick. That includes aiming up and down. And there's another one mm -hmm. that just gives the game twin stick controls, and you aim up and down with the vacuum by tilting the controller up and down. I, I found I preferred the latter control option, even though, especially playing in handheld mode, it wasn't always convenient. And, like, sometimes I wanted to tilt up and then i found that the way that i was holding the controller meant that i basically had to turn the controller upside down pointing toward me before mm -hmm. <laughs> it would orientate <laughs> itself that way uh so I, i'm still not quite working with these uh tilt controls but i really needed those twin stick controls to be able to aim at things i was trying to aim at because otherwise when all your aiming is on the left stick unless you're holding still then it moves the aiming to the right stick in the default control setup that did not work for me at all so i i gave up on that pretty quick yeah I'm, i got quite used to the tilt controls they, they feel nice and natural especially especially with the pro controller when playing docked i haven't had any issues with that i haven't tried it handheld yet actually um part of the reason is we bought a, a spare dock for the back room so when i've been switching back i've just been docking it yeah so the uh much of the game is puzzles so you're you're trying to get through an area you're trying to get through to a bus but along the way there's like heaps of things to find in hidden areas uh there are six gems to collect on each floor and uh, there are 17 the, floors yes 17 floors of six gems uh, so i've just got to the point where it's given me the key for basement two of the boiler room um and i've just took i've just stopped there and i'm running through all the floors now collecting all the the gems i've missed uh apart from one which apparently i need to get further into the story uh, to go back and get but i've got all, literally all of the others from like one one to eight at this point after you've beaten a boss on a floor uh at some point you'll get the ability to go back into a floor to find a hidden boo uh now going back to the control thing me and you famously have hd rumble turned off for yeah so 90 percent of the time finding the booze is fun without the rumble on <laughs> yeah i i i turned it on for this and i'm actually enjoying it Hmm. It's not a, not obnoxious and it's not making horrendous noises. Uh, that said, I haven't played it in handheld with it on yet. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm enjoying this part a lot. So what I'm doing is I'm I'm beating a boss. I get the key. I go to the next floor, and then I'm going immediately back to the previous floor to go find the boo. <laughs> uh, and how how that works is it does uh, the HD rumble does like a little heartbeat effect when you sort of in the outskirts of an area where a boo is hidden somewhere in the the uh, floor and then the closer you get the quicker this thing pulses until it's just like vibrating really quickly uh and if you interact with the wrong thing where the boo might be hidden uh you, the boo will then hide somewhere else on the floor and you'll have to go find him all over again uh but yeah it, uh, it's a a little collectible extra i guess it's uh it's not important to the story. I don't think it's uh, enforced or or anything or mandatory to progress or anything like that. But it's a, it's a fun little side that gets you to go back in. Um, also, when you do go back to other floors, sometimes ghosts will will respawn yeah. in different ways and and cause you some grief. But <laughs> that's why I haven't gone back to do the gems and the booze because <laughs> the ghosts are just there just to make the game take longer basically there, there's no reason to fight them <laughs> there's there's yeah. no reason for them to be there just uh, i got fed up with the combat in this game pretty quick because <laughs> from floor b2 up to floor 15 
you're fighting the same types of ghosts and you beat them all in the same way and i by the end of the first night i was just like okay i'm i'm ready for something new please <laughs> yeah what what i will say to defend it a little is that sometimes you'll get rare ghosts that spawn very very rarely yeah again um and the the ghosts that have spawned in areas have already been have always been different and always in always doing different things um even though they are ultimately the same uh like blue grunts or or red uh i guess they're, they're i'm gonna call them ghost thwomps but even though they're not really uh so yeah i'm i don't hate the combat i find that it's over quickly um it's also not really difficult at any moment uh the bosses can catch you by surprise if you if you don't know if you don't figure out the the gimmick to beating them um i did have one kill me uh, but that that's the only one and it was just that by the time i'd figured out what the trick was it was you know too little too late has the low health noise annoyed you yet yeah uh <laughs> particularly with the uh, t-rex fight because yeah. i, I there was a, an early mechanic that I thought was still in place and it wasn't. And I was like scrambling around trying to get, get the T-Rex to do a thing. And yeah, so I had that happen to me. On the subject of ease, uh, so you do collect uh, money, like lots left, right, and, and center. It and just showers you in it. Um, and with that, you can spend it at a uh, at EGAD's lab on a couple of items but you know what i've had no cause to use those items i bought out his entire stock of golden bones just in case but i only ever mm-hmm. used one in the entire game against one boss <laughs> yeah well because what happened was I, I used one um and then i'd lost it and then i died on the on the t-rex but then by that point i knew what the trick was anyway so i didn't feel like i needed to go back and get them because the checkpointing is pretty generous, especially before boss fights. So I've basically got all this money with nothing to spend it on. Because I, I, you know, I found most of the gems on my own Steam. Yeah, because you can also buy clues that point you yeah. towards the gems and the booze, and you can buy golden bones, which are extra lives. These mm-hmm. things are all dirt cheap, <laughs> and this yeah. game just continues to shower you with money. I just, I wish there was something else to spend money on. Like, in, in the first Luigi's Mansion, uh, you're, the ending you got, depending upon how much money you got and how fast you beat the game, is actually a lot like Wario Land. Uh, hmm. But that doesn't seem to be in place in this one. Uh, it just gives you so much money and there's nothing to spend it on. I, I To be honest, I was expecting that whole economy to focus on, like, upgrades to the, uh, the vacuum. Yeah. Like, make something quicker, do more damage, and that just didn't come. The, the upgrades that I'm getting are, like, through... Uh, story moments and things like that. The puzzles, though, uh, are just fun all around. I found I've uh, it's got like the uh, the thing where you you'll go onto a floor and you can just you can just tell what hides a secret, mm-hmm. uh, and then you just sort of use your your powers to to mess around with it, which is fun. So they, they could uh, involve shooting a a plunger at it, and then you know smashing something open or uh the there's like a light that will fill in the gaps where something is missing and then you have to collect it's uh like ghostly particles i guess and then it'll put this item back in and then you can mess with that uh now is uh guiji new to three 
I think he was in Dark Moon. I didn't play Dark Moon. Okay. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure he was so, in Dark Moon, too. Yeah, so, so Guiji is uh, Luigi's emotionless uh, husk clone who you can uh, bring out with the click of the right stick. Uh, you take direct control of him while uh, Luigi has like a little doze. Uh, Gu- Guiji has his own uh, health bar, which is uh, pretty weak, uh, but he is invulnerable to a lot of attacks. Uh, and he is not resistant to water, uh, which is uh, where, what they use to constrain him in a lot of, lot of the puzzles that requires both uh, Luigi and Guiji at the same time. Uh, some of this can just be like, have Guiji uh, open a door for you while Luigi runs through. Uh, other th- there are enemies that require the both of you. Some of the boss fights, you know, uh, one in particular I'm thinking of where you had to pull out Guiji for the extra vacuum power to to complete an attack. Um, it's all it's all smartly done, I find. Like the the combat side, like. I feel like everything's compelling. I'm I'm not a a completionist by any stretch, unless something tends to be, you know, if it feels within the realms of possibility. So like the gems, I'm I'm just doing them out of fun because I want to, uh, not out of a, a a sense of completion or anything. So this this is one of those games where I feel like I want to do everything, uh, which is actually rare for me because I usually just want to you know get through the story, uh, explore as much as I can, but you know, ultimately get it done and and move on to the next thing. The thing that did make me laugh, and I don't know if this is an old joke either, but uh, the menu is uh, accessed through a familiar-looking VR unit called the Virtual Boo. Familiar? Uh, Yeah. You have a lot more faith in people (laughs) than I do. (laughs) (laughs) It was a a famous failure, uh, which Nintendo pokes fun at with... uh, with this inclusion, uh, I like that a lot because uh, even Egad makes jokes about how he expects it to sell by the bucket load. And <laughs> Everybody loves seeing doesn't. things in red. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is that in the previous games? Uh, the first game had the Game Boy Horror, which was a Game Boy Color. Yeah. Sure, Dark Moon had some joke that probably has a, a 3DS or something in it. <laughs> so yeah, this is an ongoing joke, but it's not the same joke in all the other games. Ah, uh, okay. Um, and of course, there is uh, some multiplayer stuff in here. I think you can do co-op with Guiji. Yeah, um, but... Which I've not explored. When you use Guiji to solve puzzles, Luigi is usually standing around with nothing to do, uh, <laughs> which is not a problem when you're playing by yourself because you're controlling Guiji, but when you're playing co-op, I envision there being a lot of one player standing around doing nothing while the other mm-hmm. player solves puzzles. I'm not at all uh, attracted to this game as a as a co-op experience in its you know default explore the tower modes, but there are other multiplayer modes. Have you had a chance to check those out? Or? I was going to. I really was going to play Scarescraper, uh, but it took me longer to beat than I expected. So I didn't. <laughs> I'm <laughs> unlikely to return to this game. So no. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm not one who's going to jump into the, the online, uh, competitive stuff or, or even the the scare park. So uh, yeah, unfortunately, those those modes are wasted on us. But uh, overall, uh, it's a a charming uh, game that you know gives us the cowardly Luigi we all know and love, uh, and it's completely compelling. 
I'm really enjoying like thoroughly explore, exploring the levels and just trying to eke out every secret and every hidden gem and uh, there's lots of little easter eggs to find in the the uh, movie studio floor there's a leading up to the the big boss there's a there's a couple of things that made me chuckle so the movie studio is the best floor in the entire game <laughs> yeah it is really good and uh you know i i just want to say i was gonna uh, compliment the pacing uh that was on my list to, to compliment but i got to a point uh with the story where i had to deal with a particular enemy mm-hmm. and i think i uh i think you know where i'm getting at with that uh, one of the feline persuasion older kitty yeah yeah who just felt like arbitrary game lengthening yeah that happens there are three points in the game like this game has really like solid concept for pacing you go to the the floor the highest floor you can get to you find the boss ghost there you beat them the boss drops a new button for the elevator that lets you go up a whole, a floor higher basically that's basically how the game works three Mm. times over the course of the game you are after you get that button you instead have to go back to a floor you've already been to and it feels like you said like arbitrary game lengthening there's nothing interesting about these new things that you have to do they are just there to make the game longer and it's I really resented these three points in the game yeah the the one in particular that I'm talking about with the with Polterkitty um, there was a, a particular room they're in. I found them. They ran off, off screen. And there was like no indication where they were. The, there was the ghostly footprints, but they had they were there before I found them. Uh, and just, you know, knowing how it had gone for the previous floor, I, I just went up the floor and there was nothing to be found. And they, they were just hidden in something in that original room, which there was no indication of that, which was kind <laughs> of annoying. So that slowed me down further. But... Yeah, the the pacing is good except for these these points. Cuz uh, where I was going to absolutely praise it for this pacing is that like it balances like the longer floors with the shorter floors really well. Uh you'll get one with, you know, like a bunch of rooms and a heap of puzzles and then you'll you'll hit one where the focal point is just the boss and you just basically got a short corridor to the boss and it it's just pleasing in that way it just keeps everything feeling fresh like at no point have i got to a new floor and felt like it was a chore it's just the couple of times in between that has made it feel like a chore um uh oh the music is great as well Uh, (laughs) i particularly particularly liked the castle levels music uh some good use of the oboe there you got anything else you want to add not really i mean i enjoyed the game but i think it's gonna be thrown on the pile of games that i played this year and don't remember next year i mean <laughs> I, I it was mm-hmm. fine i enjoyed it i didn't dislike it but i'm not recommending it yeah uh i i at this point i haven't finished it of course uh i think i'm fast approaching like the final third uh, i definitely would approach it i think it's been one of my favorites uh so far this year uh, particularly from nintendo's first party yeah. stuff which is like i the, mean if if you're not if you're not into some of the stuff they were offering this year then yeah it's going to be a definite <laughs> yeah i mean that's the situation i'm in like i wasn't wild about this game and yet it's still my favorite first party nintendo game this year because <laughs> what did i get this year that was nintendo first party uh marvel ultimate alliance 3 was published by nintendo i wasn't wild about that game yoshi's crafted world was a huge disappointment 
and I didn't get Fire Emblem. I didn't get Astral Chain. <laughs> so Link's Awakening, Link's Awakening yeah, but Link's Awakening, that. I have a hard time giving that full credit because it's a remake of a game from like 1991, 1992. <laughs> so it was like... The, that's going to give me some headaches for the end of year stuff as well because it's like I don't know how to place yeah. it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, although I'm sure Luigi's Mansion 3 retread some ground from the previous game that that's new to me whereas you know i i knew link's awakening inside out <laughs> coming yeah. into it so yeah that, that that'll be some interesting discussion okay so what are you playing this week andrew uh two 3d platformers have their physical release this week a hat in time which has been on the eShop since last month but the physical version got bumped off to november and new super lucky's tale which is part of the new relationship between nintendo and microsoft uh, those are both on switch now and i'm going to be playing both those next week and then friday pokemon yep uh just pokemon for me uh i think i'll comfortably have luigi's mansion done before i before that releases uh, and yeah, looking forward to it, and I'll I'll, I'll keep plugging away at Bloodstained uh, until I feel I can't. So yeah, I, I should tell you a l- little story before we go, actually. I picked up the uh, the D&D games that I said I wasn't going to get, the uh, two double packs, um, and I started Planescape Torment on the Switch Lite. Uh, so this is just some warning as, as not to how to approach this game. <laughs> is Basically, I started it when I was in bed and already tired <laughs> and there is a lot of reading yeah. in this game so so i i fell asleep playing it not the game's fault it was completely charming um when i came to it the next day i couldn't remember much of it uh, i clicked on the wrong thing in a conversation tree and everybody attacked me <laughs> what's the text size like though i've been worried about the text size uh, i think it's it'll be fine docked i mm. think it'll be fine on a standard switch it was just a touch too small on the light oh dang so I th- I think uh, when I do come back to it I will play it on the on my main switch rather than the light. It was just just a fraction. I set it to the largest. It's got um it's got a lot of options for accessibility mm. by the way, um and yeah just just even at the largest on the light it was just a fraction too small. Readable just I felt like I was straining a little. Um, the other thing I was I was going to mention about that actually is that the controls great as you, as we alluded to last time. Uh, they're fine. The radar mention uh, radar menus work perfectly fine. Uh, controls work fine. And uh, the one thing I was disappointed with was I didn't know it wasn't a turn based game. Oh, was it not? I thought it was gonna. Oh. No, I thought it was gonna. It was gonna be combat engages. You get the grid and you do your moves, and it's just not. It's like. I put it similar to like Dragon Age where you go up and you do the attack and they'll do the attack until you select something mm-hmm. else. So yeah, I was a bit disappointed with that. I don't know if Baldur's Gate is different, so maybe I should take a look at that before I settle on one of these to play first, but that's what I was expecting. I really I and really don't know. I thought these games were all semi-turn-based at least. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, it's all done on dice rolls. Uh, you see as the character attacks, you see it flash up on the side but yeah just whatever you do just don't do what i did and play it before you go to sleep because you will want to just bail um it also relies on manual saves so boy save often uh save plentiful um i hadn't saved that long ago where it was i just didn't want to go through all the talkie again so yeah i'll come back to it It, it's completely my fault not the game's fault at all so uh, i just thought it was something i wanted to mention before we uh before we bail
And that's it. Thanks for listening to episode 96 of the Switch Focus podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps us get noticed. You can also listen and subscribe on Stitcher, TuneIn, and other podcast services. Be sure to join our Discord server to interact with the lively Switch Focus community. Follow us on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, and at switchfocuspodcast.com for updates, news, and other content. Links are in the show notes. If you'd like to support the show, you can buy us a coffee. Details are on our website. Thanks in advance. This episode was edited by Craig Windle, uh, also known as Windmills at Dawn, where he has his music career. And you can follow him on Twitter at Craig and at Windmills at Dawn. Uh, you can follow the three main hosts individually on Twitter. I'm at Flame Roast Toast. Andrew is at Play Critically. And he also streams at twitch.tv forward slash Play Critically. And Ginny is at Ginny Woes. Time zones are dumb. Boo, sell it during time.